So, we're going to have a little Bible quiz, speaking of the Bible this morning. Actually, it's not a quiz so much. It's just like some, some jokes. I'm going to call them, instead of dad jokes, I'm going to call them church dad jokes. How's that? Um, I feel like I'm kind of the church dad in some ways. I know I'm not older than some of you, but I'm getting there. So, um, here's a few things. We, we want you to like stretch your mind a little bit, see how well you know the Bible. The first, uh, the first quiz question is, where is the first tennis match mentioned in the Bible? Steve, you know? In Pharaoh's court. That's right. Very good. Wow. I'm going to have to sharpen my skills. In Genesis chapter 41, it says that Joseph, he served in Pharaoh's court. Okay, next question. Which Bible character had no parents? Anybody know? Joshua, son of Nun. (laughs) Mentioned in the book of Numbers, chapter 11. All right. What kind of a man was Boaz before he got married? He was ruthless. Get it? See, that's why these are called uh, church dad jokes. He was ruthless. All right. What is one of the first things that Adam and Eve did after being kicked out of the Garden of Eden? They raised Cain. Get it? All right. Only one more torturous joke, and then we'll get into the seriousness of our scripture. What excuse did Adam give to his children as to why they no longer lived in the Garden of Eden. Now remember Adam and his excuse with God. A little clue. Your mother ate us out of house and home. (laughs) All right. Enough. Enough, enough. So we're going to turn to the scriptures now and be serious, but I thought we could have a little bit of fun with that. Um, So today, the scripture is from the uh, 17th chapter of Acts, Acts chapter 17, and it's about a group of people called the Bereans. So if you haven't seen that word before, Bereans, and then I said, we must be. Right, So I know that's not proper English, but that's the title of, of the sermon this morning. Bereans, we must be. All right, And I thought, like, we should get, like, a military, a Marine guy over there, like, just you know, recruiting for this because we want to be like the Bereans in many ways. You see, the most basic essential to any healthy Christian church is a commitment to hearing, learning, and applying God's word. That's like bottom line. Now, there are some places out there, they call themselves churches, but they are not people of God's word. And so they don't qualify in God's book as churches. The church of Jesus Christ is based on the word, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the word of God, which has been given to us. And so a healthy church will have a commitment to hearing God's word, to learning God's word and applying God's word. At the time of the early church, which is where we're at right now in the study of the book of Acts, that meant listening to the apostles' teachings. They weren't all written down yet like we have. They would listen to the apostles and the disciples teach and tell the story of Jesus. And then there was eventually some letters being circulated among the churches. 
And so they would gather together and read those letters, those letters from Paul, those letters from other apostles who wrote to the church to encourage them, to help them to remember the truth of God. So in our passage today, we see an illustration of what can happen when a people respond positively to God's word. So let's evaluate how we do when we compare ourselves to the Bereans. That's your job here this morning, to take the word of God and, and, and let it shine into your life and see, see where you line up with it. So turn in your Bibles. If you use the Pew Bible, it's page 984 to the chapter 17 of, of the book of Acts. We're gonna, I'm just going to read you these few verses, and then we'll discuss these verses together. Acts 17, verse 10. As soon as it was night, the brothers and sisters sent Paul and Silas away to Berea. Upon arrival, they went into the synagogue, as usual, the synagogue of the Jews. The people here were more noble, were of more noble character than those in Thessalonica, where they had just left. And here's why they were called noble in character. For they received the word with eagerness and examined the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. Which things? The things that Paul and Silas were telling them about Jesus being the Son of God, being the Messiah, being the Lamb of God who died to take away our sins and who has risen again to give us life forevermore. They examined the scriptures to find out if the things that we, they were being told, the things that Paul was teaching them, were true. Consequently, because they did that, many of them believed, including a number of prominent Greek women as well as men. But when the Jews of Thessalonica found out that the word of God had been proclaimed by Paul in Berea, they came there too, agitating and upsetting the crowd. And then the brothers and sisters immediately sent Paul away to go to the coast. But Silas, Paul's partner, remember Silas, Paul and Silas, Silas and Timothy, Paul's young disciple, they stayed on there in Berea. It was stopped there. So, Here's the thing. Unlike a riot which took place back in Thessalonica, there was a reception to God's word here. The Bereans, they were of more noble character than the Thessalonicans. That's a word. And here's why. They received the word. So what does it mean that they were of more noble character? Originally, that word noble meant being well-born or spoke of nobility. We, that's how we use it, you know, the nobleman, right? But later on, this word also came to mean people who had a generous spirit, people who were open-minded towards the truth, people who weren't prejudiced, but they were open to other people, other ideas. They weren't hostile towards new things, and they were not suspicious of other people. That's what noble means. And we can see in the character of these Bereans that they were open to this. They were willing to give Paul and Silas and the, the disciples of Jesus a fair hearing. 
So the Bereans were called noble because they listened to the preaching of the gospel with open hearts. Not with suspicion, not with fear, not with anger, but with open hearts. Verse 11 also tells us that they received the word with eagerness. They had an anticipation, an expectancy to hear something that God might be speaking specifically to them in this conversation, in this situation where they were listening to Paul and to the disciples. And this is what set them apart. There was a readiness, a receptivity to the word of God. They leaned in. That's the picture I want you to get from this. They, they leaned in. Instead of pulling back and crossing their arms and, you know, having this kind of posture, they were like, let's, let's hear what he's saying. Let's, let's give it a listen. There might be something to it, right? So they leaned in. So that's, that's where they were in their eagerness to focus in on what was being said and listen to it. I wonder how many of us come to church or to Bible study or to home group with the expectation that God is going to speak to us and we have an attitude that leans in when we hear his word read, when we hear his word discussed, when we hear ideas about God being shared within that context. Are we leaning in or are we leaning back? Sometimes this attitude of leaning back is like, I already know it all. I got this. I don't need to hear anything from you. It's a prideful position, right? Leaning in is like, tell me more. Teach me. I don't know if I understand. Help me to listen. Perhaps coming to church for some of us has become merely a habit. And so little thought is actually given as to why we're here together. We need to come into this place with an expectation that God will speak to us if we listen to him. If we listen to his word as it's read, as we listen to the songs that we sing that are based on his word and on who he is. Every Sunday we need to come with an eagerness in our mind to learn something. We don't know it all. None of us do. And with an openness in our heart to hear what God will say to us through his word. We need to be disciplined to put away all the distractions, all the, the, the buzzing and the beeping and the texting and the, the, all the distractions, the thoughts that come into our mind and be open to God, ready to hear from him. God wants to speak to each one of you. Let's pray. God, already we hear these words and we wonder how to be like that, how to be eager and open with you. And we know we need your help. We are a very distracted people. We live in a very distractible generation. Too much information too much going on, too much going through the airways and, and conversations and debates. We want to hear from you. So help us. Send your spirit here this morning to teach us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.
When we pray to God to speak to us, there should be a sense of anticipation and expectancy that comes alive in our hearts. That's who the Bereans were. And when we have that expectancy, we will receive a word from God, an encouragement, a correction, a direction, wisdom. God is not silent. God has spoken through his word. And God uses his word by the spirit to speak to us. You see, we have a problem. If we're not reading the word on a regular basis, we can never know the truth of God's word. When we don't know the truth, we will fall for the lies. The truth will set you free. But if you don't know the truth, you will be a captive to the lies that are all around us, swirling around, and sometimes even within us. According to research, less than 50% of American Christians actually open their Bible once a week. Everybody, if you don't have one open right now, open one on your lap. There's one close by. We can break that statistic. 82% think that this quote is in the Bible. God helps those who help themselves. It's not in the Bible, but it gets quoted a lot, as though it is. 63% from this survey cannot even name the four Gospels. Let's try it. Luke and John. Woo! Okay. We're doing good. 58% of Christians don't know that Jesus is the one who preached the Sermon on the Mount. Please don't let this be true of us. The Bible is how we get to know who God is. It, it, it's a source for us, to draw from, to understand his character, to understand his love, to understand his, his desire to have a relationship with us. We see it through all the pages of Scripture. But if we don't spend time in Scripture, we will start to believe that God doesn't care about us. God doesn't talk to us. God only cares about other people. You know, we, we'll believe all kinds of stuff based on our emotional state, based on the situation, the particularities of our, our story. But this is the story that's most important to us. And when we focus on this story, it helps us with our own story. You know, we have a purpose statement for a church. We, we have this purpose statement which says, our purpose is to grow together as a church, ever moving towards wholeness in Christ for ourselves and for others. But how do we do that? How do we move towards wholeness? The last two lines, the second to the last line. Let's read it together. By knowing him better and by better making him known. By knowing him better, we can know him in his word. We can know what he's like. We can read the stories. We can ask him to help us to understand the hard parts. We can know him better by his word. This is what the Bereans did. Not only did the Bereans first receive the word, the gospel which was shared with them through the apostles. 
Secondly, it says in, in our passage this morning, they researched the scriptures. Now, we use that word research for like scientists and sometimes for students, but it should be a word that Christians are familiar with. Research or study, we call Bible studies, right? They researched it. They received the word. They listened. They, they eagerly wanted to hear it with an open mind. They received what they heard, but they were not gullible. They were not shallow. They were desiring for true faith in what was said, but they couldn't have that until they understood how it lined up with God's plan because it was a new revelation. Christianity has been around now for over 2,000 years, but at the time, this was new news. It's the good news, but it was new good news. And so they needed to have this inside of them and examine this desire to, to, to know the truth, but to make sure that it was going to line up with the scriptures. You know, there's plenty of preachers out there who have plenty of things to say. But like the Bereans, we must examine what they're saying. Scripture warns us about the end times. If you believe we might be closer to the end times, it says false teachers will multiply like rabbits, like mice. Multiply. You know, two means 12. You know, it just gets more and more and more. It doesn't say false teachers are going to go away, it says they're going to multiply. So in order for us to understand what false teaching is, we must know the true teaching and the true teacher to be able to discern so we do not fall for a lie. So the Bereans, they examined the word because they wanted to know the truth about God. And these Bereans, they weren't content with the word of mere men, even if it was the apostle Paul. That wasn't enough for them. They were still going to test his words. They wanted to make sure it was that thus saith the Lord, that it was the Lord who was speaking through his servant. And so it says they examined the scriptures, and I love the next word after scriptures. If you look at our passage, verse 11, they examined the scriptures, and then there's this word. How often did they examine the scriptures? Daily. Daily. So if you're examining here today on Sunday and that's your only time, you're not quite a Berean yet. Daily, they examined the scriptures. They desired to know God that much, that they were hungry for the word, just like they were hungry for breakfast each morning. It helped them to know what was true and what was not true. So the Bereans, they listened to Paul's preaching. They received it with an open heart. Then they took what they had received, and they looked in the Scripture to see if this could possibly be true. But they did it daily. I, I think of the Israelites. When the Israelites were wandering around in the wilderness and God was supplying food for them, manna from heaven, they had to collect it how often? Every day except the Sabbath day. Every day they needed to go out and get it. And if they took too much and they thought, oh, I'll just put it in a Ziploc over here because I'm going to save it for later, you know. <laughs> They'd open it up and be full of maggots, right? You couldn't save it for the next day. There's a lesson in that for us. 
God's word needs to be fresh every day for us. It is like our food. It is like, a, like, a, like our drink. It's like we need to be nourished by it daily. We can't live on last week's leftovers. They get moldy. We need to have a fresh revelation of God. And the great thing about living in this era, this time, is that each of us can have it in our hands. That wasn't always true of the church. Until the printing press and the Reformation, it was locked up in the cathedral and it was chained to the altar. And only a few people got to look at it. But you all have it. You all have multiple copies of it. You have it in your phones. You have it on your laptops. You have it, you know, audio versions of it to play in your car. Eat it every day. Like the Bereans. And here's, here's the great thing about what they were doing. The literal translation of the Greek word here for examined, they examined the scripture, is actually that they sifted the scriptures. Now, some of you are young. I understand that. But in the old days, we used something called a sifter. When you wanted to make a nice cake or some, some cookies, you took out the flour, and the flour had some lumps in it. It might also have some bow weevils in it or something. I don't know what we were getting out of there. But we wanted to make sure it was pure and that it was fine so that when you ate the cake, you didn't go crunch like, oh, what was that? Like, oh, it's the wing of a beetle. You know, you don't want that in your, in your food, right? They sifted it. The word actually here for, for examined it is that they sifted it. And we sift things to get the impurities out and get the pure, wonderful flour for that recipe in. And no, no strange things floating around in the, in the batter, right? We want it to be pure. So they sifted it to sift it, to, to look at it up and down, to, to make careful and exact research of it. it it's also a, a, a legal term. It's a process of examining the evidence and listening well to testimonies to see if this all proves the case. So it, that's the kind of term that it is. And so we need to be careful. We need to make sure that this is our desire, that we work towards this as a people so that we are able to discern truth from error. We are able to discern gospel, true teaching from false teaching. That is our job. That is our job and our responsibility to one another, to help one another, to stay in the pure word of God. So they poured over this, the, the Bible, the scriptures, the scriptures that they knew. Now, remember, he's in a synagogue, so they do have scripture written down on scrolls. They were able to come together and discuss it. That's part of what they did on the Sabbath. Comparing the scripture to what they had heard. Evaluating the word that they were hearing. Not just accepting everything that Paul said as though it were gospel truth. Right? Ends up being gospel truth, but at the time they didn't know that. So they poured over it. And this is precisely what we need to do. Because now more than ever, there's so much false teaching flying around us today that we have to be careful. We have to be cautious. We have to be like the military, like diligent in our training. 
There are many people who once worshipped here with us who no longer do. And it's not because they went to another good Bible-believing church. It's because they left the church or they went to another church that doesn't, doesn't use the Bible so much. They talk about ideas and philosophies or they talk about being good people and, and serving the poor. But, and those are good things, but they're not Bible churches. Holden Chapel is a Bible church. I mean, we'll just call ourselves that. Like, we, we want to be a Bible church. We're not afraid of what the Bible says. We want to know what the Bible says, and we want to live according to it. But many people don't. Many people fall for what the culture is saying. The culture says, oh, you need to be more open, more, more progressive. You need to not take those words so literally. You need to realize that times have changed, and people change, and God has changed. And you know, Really? Has he? I think not, Right? So we need, to, we need to be careful and be trained to read for ourselves, to sift through it, so that everything that we hear, we understand by the help of the Holy Spirit to be true. And everything that is not true, we discard it. We say, well, I don't need that. That's not for me. I believe God's word. I believe what the Bible has to say. Because when we do that, and, and here's the result of doing that, In verse 12, consequently, because they did that, because they examined the scriptures, because they had an open mind to receive this message from the apostles, but then took it to the scriptures and and really wrestled with it and really tried to find the way that it lined up with God's plan, it says the result of that was that many of them believed, including a number of prominent Greek women as well as men. Many of them believed because they took the time to process through this. And it was a deep belief, a true belief. So what about you? What about me? Do we welcome the message of the gospel as much as the Bereans did? Do we study it daily with a passion and enthusiasm, a hunger to know what it means and to apply it to our lives? Because the Bereans, they searched the scripture because they knew that through God's word, they could hear God's voice. And if they could hear God's voice, they could know him better. And they could follow him more faithfully. And let me encourage you, it doesn't take a theologian. It doesn't take a member of the clergy to interpret the word of God for you. The Holy Spirit has been given to us. So when we read it, if we ask him to enlighten us, to help us to understand it, he will. So consequently, they responded to the word by believing it. They brought it into their belief system. And these people received the word because they were open-minded. They leaned in, but they also were careful to examine the word because they wanted to know if it was God's truth for them. They responded to the word because they could see from Scripture that this was a direct revelation from God. Jesus is God's son. Jesus did die for our sins, and he was sent to save us. Jesus did raise again. So notice the result of their research wasn't that their heads got all puffy and big and they were smarter than everybody else. That's not the result. The result is that many believed. They believed it. 
So these Bereans responded to the word because they received the revelation was from God, and they had searched the scripture to prove that. Now remember, over and over again, Jesus said in the Gospels, he who has ears, let him hear. He said in the book of Revelation as well, he who has ears, let him hear. Well, we each have two of these physical ears, but I think Jesus was talking more than that. I think he was talking about some kind of spiritual ability to hear. And that's what we need. And that should be our prayer each day. God, speak to me. Help me to hear your voice. Help me to discern it above all other voices. And when I hear it, help me to respond. Because it isn't just about gathering information. I'll show you this this, uh, illustration here. I want you to understand the information is important, but the information needs to be moved inward to transformation, to begin to change me and change you to line up with what God has in mind for us as opposed to what the world has in mind for us. And then that transformation works its way out into outward change. It is, it is a process. So if we get stuck at information, all we do is fill our heads with knowledge. We need to move into the, what does this mean to me, God? How do I apply this to my life? How do I apply this to my marriage? How do I apply this to my job? How do I apply this to my relationships? And then that receiving that and being changed by that moves us into a place where we are outwardly changed. And people begin to see that our lives are different. We don't just blend in with the world around us. We are actually seen as different. And that's a good thing. We don't want to blend in. Now, I know that you've been thinking, I've tried this before, pastor. I've tried to read the whole Bible. I started on page one, and I got really lost there in a couple of pages. You know, uh, after we get into Leviticus and Numbers and some of those books, it was really difficult, and so I just gave up. Well, let me suggest to you something. Try a different translation, and try not starting at the beginning, but start at the beginning with the Gospels, So move to the New Testament. You'll eventually move back into the Old Testament because the New Testament has many quotes from the Old Testament. And you'll want to know that psalm or you'll want to know that part of Isaiah and you'll want to know how that all applies to the message of the gospel. You see, while the primary way to get the word into your head is through Bible study, it's also through coming to church on a regular basis. Not just once in a while, but on a regular basis. So that as we walk through the book of Acts, we're actually together walking through the book of Acts. And you don't miss several chapters or several verses. Because we are studying the Bible together as one big group. And come in and lean in with expectancy that God's going to teach you something. Take notes if that helps you. And examine what was preached. Sift it through the whole gospel, the whole word. But let me say this bluntly. God gave us the Bible not just so we can fill our heads or even so we can fill our hearts with the good news. But he eventually wants us to take it out into a world. Some don't want to hear it. Others are desperate to hear it. Others are like the Bereans. On that day when Paul entered, they're ready for it. They're waiting for it. Their hearts are longing for it, but they can't find it because no one is sharing it with them. 
Paul and Silas and the others, Timothy, they were going from place to place, and it was rough. We, we've read several times they got beaten and thrown in prison, but, but they kept going because their desire, their passion was that more and more people would know Jesus. See, it's not just what we know. It's not just what we believe. It's what we do with what we know and what we believe. Amen? Amen. 